Welcome to Cow Horse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. Cow Horse, Full Contact is a view into the industry from our eyes, seeing some of the people that we've seen and grown up with, and getting to hear some of the stories we've loved our whole cow horse lives and would like to share with you. And along the way, we might come up with a little bit of information that helps you on your journey in the cow horse. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Martin Saddlery. Quality is number one. They build those saddles from a block of wood all the way to the finished product. Build their own tree, do their own carving. Doesn't get any better. Go see them on Facebook at Martin Saddlery. Dot com. And also, this episode proudly brought to you by Blue Bonnet Feeds, Ardmore, Oklahoma. All your equine nutrition needs. Welcome back to Cow Horse Full Contact. I'm Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday. And today, we have a legend in our Hall of Fame member. $3 million rider between Cow Horse and Raining. Unbelievable. 2006 in Alphabet Fraternity Champion and a major, major mentor of mine, Todd Crawford. Welcome, right. Todd. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Icon. Iconic. I remember when you came to the Cow Horse in the beginning. You came out there to Portville riding around. Don't do anything. If you want to fix a spin, go out of the spin and fix it and then go back in. You remember uh, that? So why haven't you applied it? Well, <laughs> I was just thinking about it right now. <laughs> Been a while since I did that. <laughs> I haven't had enough in training to do it. I haven't got to the spin yet. <laughs> Have you watched the uh, Fresno show on the... From yes. Katie, no, I didn't see that one, but I've been watching a ton of them. Yeah, I just saw... What I saw Greg win the Fitur. Oh, really? Yeah, Remenix Pep. Yeah, Remenix Pep. And they had the yeah, and they had the um, the open bridle on which I had won on to hone Speppy Doc, but it brought back so much stuff. Which at that time, were you not one of the cattle crew? Yes. Yeah. Yep, I was. But just the the signs and you know the 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 whole vibe of that was really cool to watch. Man, it was so loud in there. I remember that the arena, the year Greg won, was so loud that I could hear my shirt vibrating in front of my body like a rock concert. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Mm. That, and you remember when they, um, you know, like there was the, the arena and then there was kind of a empty space and there was a bar across the way and then the hotel was just across the way from the arena so everybody's kind of there and they would all hang out all the time and one night afterwards uh rex was was there and greg and a bunch of people was in a circle kind of drinking some beers and <laughs> just visiting and stuff and the subject of the non-pro had come up and there it just adamantly Rex Rizal is telling the crowd, and I mean, it is a crowd. There is a lot of us just standing around there and drinking some beer. And Rex Rizal says, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather be the worst open rider in the world than the best non-pro. And Greg Ward says, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
we, we about died. <laughs> <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. It, it seemed like no matter what time you came out of your room to go to the, there was somebody at the bar. Somebody. <laughs> they, they were barred up. It was, it was quite a place because everybody was almost forced to stay right there at that motel. And, uh, and it was a great big open forum yeah, kind of thing. It was. It was, it was really cool. They had the restaurant right there and the, and then there were all them, uh, just seating mm-hmm. in between. So if they weren't the bar, they were on the way to the room, which was the seating. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. There was no escaping each other. I feel like it was a good thing that I wasn't around in these days. Yeah. It would have yeah. probably made my early career harder than it was. <laughs> hard you would have made it harder. <laughs> I, had a, I had a hard enough time staying focused as it was. <laughs> I remember, like, I don't know, the first year I was going to show at the Snaffle Bit, we usually would stay at the, uh, it was a Hilton at them days. And I, just, I told Pam, I had a oh, horse yeah. to show that year. I'm like turning 21. And I'm like, we'd stayed there the year before. And I was like, hey, uh, I could just stay like at that Motel 6 right there next to the fairgrounds and it'd be okay. Well, which was great, except that then she got rooms for the rest of the help at the Motel 6. And they were a little bit agitated by the whole situation. <laughs> but I was like, the last thing I need to do is be walking through that damn casino every day on the way home. That casino was trouble. Trouble. I yep. know. I nothing good's coming. Nothing, nothing good coming from that. Mm-mm. Yeah, there was way too many familiar faces and all them tables. On the way to the room. It's like an ADD dream. Oh, man. And then there's that little that little thing that was always open with the hamburgers and the sandwiches over there. Just a little grill 24-7. You had to go through the tables to get to it and back through the tables to get to the room. Well, one of those trips, I'm sure I can pay for the day's expenses. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing about South Point is you don't have to go. You don't have to go through the casino to get to the hotel. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I have found that. I path. found a way. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Todd. Well, take us back. Take us back to the beginning. Yeah. Where'd you start out at? With horses, without? You're an Easterner. I'm an Easterner, Pennsylvania. Yeah, grew up. Uh, my dad was a vet, so we had horses and we trail rode and we did 4 H and, you know, started some corn horse show on in back there in that country. They just have, you know, the halter, the pleasure. That was about it, you know. I mean, those were kind of the events. And so when I, I went to college in Finley and at that time, Dale Wilkinson was the guy there. He was actually, he was the man back east as far as reining and cutting horses. The only only person to have won the cutting fraternity and the reining fraternity both. So I went to school there and kind of mentored under him. And uh, I was there, f- I was there seven years, four years I went to school. <laughs> you know, a lot of people go to college for seven years, Todd. <laughs> They're called doctors. No, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I taught there for three years after I graduated. Um, so that was a good experience, too. Um, so being there seven years and going through the programs, I I learned a lot to, to train horses, but didn't have that much, had really no experience showing, although I did show some, you know, not showing as we do it today. What did you teach? 
So just kind of general horsemanship and cult breaking. And, and it's a, it was a real big school. I don't know what it is now, but it was a real big school. I mean, they would have upwards of 200 kids there, you mm. know, mm. In, a, in a college, you know, cult breaking. And then, of course, they did the nutrition and, you know, all the equine science stuff there as well, too. Um, so you had lots of different options in terms of going going and being a horse trainer, which a lot of people, Casey Hinton, Mark and Abby Kazenza, Mark Sheridan, so a lot of a lot of people are now in the horse business because of that school. But but there were obviously lots of different you know occupations that you could pick up from there too what? for those who didn't horse train. What happened before college to make you want to go? As I take it, you wanted to be a horse trainer before you went to college. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what? What? I, I don't know what. Um, it's just so when I was a, when I was a kid at home and did 4-H and did all that. I, I went. I worked. F- I tell you what happened. I went to uh, I went to Texas one summer and spent a summer down there with a the fellow named Billy Steele, who is. Um, you know, he's been real big in the AQHA horse industry in different facets. And so that really kind of parked my interest. And, in, you know, he at that time did a lot of calf roping, a lot of roping and, and just horses in general, you know, horse showing. So I came back from there uh, it, it, my sophomore year and I kind of worked for a halter horse trainer up there. His name was Bill Fuchs. And again, just went to horse shows and helped out and you know, I went to the first two world shows and, and remember, uh, you know, <laughs> my hotel room was the tax stall. You know, I went to the horse show and slept in the tax stall and, and you know, kind of watched the horses and, and just helped. I mean, would do anything to, um, to be around horses. And so, again, that, that's what led to my parents wanted me to go to school somewhere. And that was my easiest option was to go to uh at that time you know what would have been the first class of people to get to start into that finley college because that was the first year that dale started that program how many siblings did you have i have two you brothers and a sister two brothers and sister any of them get into it as deep um, as you no no my, i have a one brother kurt you guys probably yeah. know who um he works now for the paint horse association and he's done he, he's always been involved on on the outside edge but uh, and then my my brother my other brother's uh, works back at home in Pennsylvania now as a um he's an engineer does not not like a train engineer but like a you know yeah <laughs> no wear the striped hat yeah. <laughs> but uh, and uh, and my sister teaches school coaches basketball does that kind of stuff mm. <laughs> Did you play much sports through school? Well, I, I started to. You, you know, we were we were very outdoors and, you know, with horses and water skiing and snow skiing. And, you know, we did a lot of stuff. We, we did all kinds of sports. But uh, as as you get into, like, the freshman, sophomore, junior years, you know, you have to be a lot more committed to that sport and – you know, I, I couldn't make that commitment because I wanted to go to the horse show. Mm-hmm. So, and they frowned upon that, you know, um, the coaches did. So I had to make my choice and, and I chose horses. 
And we're glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Helped you choose. <laughs> right. So talk a little about being there with Dale. At what point did he start that school? Had he heard he won both fraternities before he had started that program? And yep. this was kind of a twilight deal for him? or Yeah. Uh, he had won both those fraternities. He had he won the reigning fraternities several times. And the last time that he won it was, I believe, in 75, which then he started at school in 76. So, and I don't know exactly when he won the, the cutting fraternity, but it wasn't many years before that. But as I, uh, as I look back on that now, I, the, the guy was, he was way beyond, uh, he was way ahead of his time because, you know, to win the reigning fraternity and the cutting fraternity, and you think about doing that, um, but he did it from at that time in Ohio, where yeah. that's where raining yeah. that's where raining came from. But cutting, right. I mean, cutting, he was a long way from Fort Worth, Texas. So um, he's known as the father of raining. I mean, yes, yeah, started yeah. with him. He but to be able to do the cutting too at, yeah. at the level that he could do it, um, he was, you know, again way ahead of his time. Um, but too at that time you had to be much more diversified than you know we do now it's like now we go out and we're going to be a cow horse trainer we're going to be a reining horse trainer we're going to be a whatever kind of a trainer you know i mean and back then you had to you had to train whatever you had to train whatever to to be able to make a living but still todd even at that time even when there was everything was more diversified to be able to go and compete in those two worlds is one thing being able to go and win fraternities three-year-old fraternities in those two completely separate worlds i mean that guy had a an incredible grasp of a horse and a horse's mind and his ability Yes, he did. He he was, and uh, he also was quite a character in his own way. You know, I mean, and then and the stories that he could tell, and and the, and the things that he could, he tried to explain to help help you learn. It was um, it was really quite an experience. It, it, um, yeah, I was fortunate to be able to do that. If you could expound a little on just the kind of guy that he was, because there's a whole generation of people that did not get to be around him, mine yeah. included. Yeah. Well, he, he was the kind of guy who um, he he would, you know, and this is as in his later years, he would sit there at the reigning fraternity, and I don't know whether you ever got to, to see him there, but... Um, he, he would sit and he would, he would come to, he would sit in front of my stalls. I had some stalls up close there at the right of fraternity and he would come sit there and and it's like, he kind of held court there, you know, and people would almost line up as they came by to visit with him to, um, you know, talk about times or whatever. Uh, but, but he was that kind of, um, magnifying personality that, you know, he, he could just, and the other thing that he could do is he could say stuff to, to women and girls that you couldn't get away with today, (laughs) But, but he could, he could say it in a way that, you know, I mean, made everybody laugh and made everybody feel good too. You know, I mean, he was, he was just, he was quite a character as well as, you know, a phenomenal horseman. Hmm. So, I mean, that sounds a little bit like kind of what happens around Don Murphy. 
today at the cow horse shows how they'll kind of sit up there at the classic booth or whatever and exactly and and just you know and people come by and say hey you know and he would give advice just like what don does a lot of times i mean you would go seeking that advice sure like hey what'd you think and and he would make it so so simple you know that you know hey like you you overlook the simplicity of the the problem that you think that you're having it's 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 really very simple to concentrate on this one thing you know Mm -hmm. and uh, most time in work huh that's cool i tell you what i think uh i mean that's a treasure that so many of us didn't get to be around and, yeah, I know. I I've mean, only heard about him. I didn't get to see him either. I'm nowhere near right. as old as Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw him. Uh, I think they had him set the pattern before oh, the Rams thirty finals one year, and I think that was about as close as I got. I know that uh, while working for you, I got to be around Rick Weaver, who married one of his daughters, and that was that's an experience in itself. <laughs> and uh, like I still, I mean, I treasure a lot of that. You know, but just some of those stories that he had to tell. Yeah, I really wanted to get into some of that. And uh, so when you were there, was it more, did you get to be like one-on-one with Dale quite a bit? I mean, like pretty strong apprenticeship? Yeah, yeah, uh, every day. I mean, we we had a real great relationship. And, um, you know, he taught a lot. Um, I mean, he hum- he humbled you, you know, in into you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, the way that I, I learned, you know, and it's not candy coated, not candy coated, not at all. candy coated. No, so, no. what was his like? What would you say was his um, one of his big mindsets in training overall? You, you know, um, interestingly, probably what I, one of the things that I remember is that you know you you had to run straight to the stop whether it be a, a cow a, a cutting horse which is what he did or or a reining horse you had to run straight and stop and he took that from both of the two events um and, and so now as as i get older and unfortunately i get to ride over uh, at extra quarter horses with mike flared a lot and mike also worked for dale and we tell a lot of stories about what he did but uh, mike has a lot of the same philosophies so you know that run straight stop i think helps no matter which no discipline matter what you're doing and, 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 yeah and the cow horse as well um and so i mean obviously you got to have some bend in there somewhere but you know it, it's um, so what about the dip between his um reigning turns and his cutting turns were they different were they was it different then than what it is now his philosophy on um i i would i would venture to say and i don't and i spent a lot of time turning back and i got cussed uh more than anybody uh, (laughs) in the way that i did it but and so i was probably more concerned about how what i was doing and what the cow was going to do than what he was really doing but i'm going to say that he ran straight and stopped and his his turn with the cow was a lot more related to the timing of the turn rather than, but his reigning turns were, you know, they were pretty straight too, you know? And so I, I think he had the bend on the, on the cow, but it was more related to the timing of the turn versus 
actually trying to make them bend. Does that make any sense? Probably yeah, 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 I do. So, at the, what about the evolution, say, from when you're learning from Dale to now with the turn in the raining and the run and stop in the raining? Um, well, the, the run and stop in the, in the raining is, um, the, I think probably you guys would agree that we work on the run a lot more than we work on the stop, you know, because the mm-hmm. run is the un- catalyst. It's the catalyst of the stop. Yeah. And, and so again, being able to get that run straight, uh, forward, uh, approach to that stop is it makes, makes everything. And then the stop, most of our horses stop, you know, mm-hmm. so if they run correctly, they'll, they'll, they'll kill it when they stop. And if they don't, they make you look like Fido. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what about the turn versus then and now? Well, like what for our events, particularly, you know, our two handed fraternities and derbies we pull their nose a lot more because we got to you know go with the cow and what and kind of seems like you got two hands you're going to use them and you know you're going to pull their nose so uh, and and that was more based on a one-handed actual reigning three-year-old reigning horse you know where you're doing it one hand so they're they're set up maybe a little straighter now then either Either one. Yeah. And either then or now. And so at that time when you were riding with Dale, so that's probably a good... Um, Long time ago. Probably 30, maybe 40 years ago? Mm, yeah, maybe. 50? Yeah. Um, Not 50 years ago. Huh? It's you and your math. 70? Six? <laughs> well, so it's 45 maybe? 40. 40 years ago. Let's go with 40. So let's go, let's go with 40. 30 sounds better. 40, <laughs> 43. <laughs> so, such so a how much? <laughs> don't talk to me. can hear it's you good, too, you know. I'm it's not a good thing you're one. across the table. That's all I can say. He's got long arms. He can still reach you. <laughs> how much um, have you seen? What was the head position at that time compared to now, what was it more about, you know, we've watched, so we've been watching the cow horse on, you know, daily, we're coming out with the cow, the old fraternities. Mm-hmm. I watched Bobby Ingersoll and Stan Fonson and all them just the other day and the head position and the, there's no pause between maneuvers and. I mean, I, think, some, I still think we should bring that back. I love it. I mean, <laughs> it is so fun to watch. You cannot take your eyes off of a raining run. My God, Barney Skelton has this great horse the other day in the Hackamore somewhere and loses his hat. And he is, <laughs> he is so disgusted because he is cowboy all the way and he loses his hat. And you know that he is, that you can just see the disgust <laughs> and go reek through his body. And like maybe his horse is maybe the best horse in there, but that kind of throws him losing his hat and it just kind of it kind of messes his when run. there's no hesitation there's no place to reach and tighten that rascal back down no way <laughs> his, his horse's head didn't knock it off did it no <laughs> <laughs> good. 
<laughs> but because back in those days, it could have happened. <laughs> it could dang sure happen. Lean back. <laughs> Lean back or lose it. In those tooth. days, I don't know what you guys are talking about. It could have happened last I mean, week. Yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how much have you seen that all change? That that's changed tremendously. The 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 head position and the frame and the roundness of the horses that we that we do now is changed tremendously from from then. Yes. Do you think that's mostly attributed to training to, training techniques, or do you think that's more of the breeding program getting these horses that do things more naturally, or a combination? Somewhat a combination. I think that um, nowadays we ride horses with a lot that are a lot more level on their top line. But, but I think that, and, and I probably got to see a lot of the um, change. Well, so when I, as I learned to train and spent my time back east, I then moved to Arizona and California, and out west they had started you know with a lot having them a lot deeper in the bridle i'm gonna i'm gonna say you know where where they got a hold of them and they made them pick their shoulders up and they made them bend their back and they made them push you know and that stopped so i i got to see the differences in that and i think and that's not long after the reigning fraternity actually then moved to Oklahoma City, I'm not sure what year. And when that happened, where more people could go to, more people could attend the Reign of Fraternity, um, then you got to see more in what, what we called West Coast influence, where um, the trainers from the West Coast, like Bob Avila, Brett Stone, had their horses a lot more bridled and, um, you know, competed against the guys from back east and 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 so then those techniques kind of merged into one of what we do now and i and the same thing actually applied to the cow horse i believe um for the same reasons is that you know a lot myself and and john slack and todd bergen and bob avila were doing the running we were doing the cow horse you know i think we brought those things into the cow horse and made that uh, Made a big change there because I can remember it when that happened when you guys came, and the re- the raining was just and it was an event you did to get to the fence work after the cutting, and nobody really got away from anyone in it. You know, no one really ran away from anyone. And then when you guys came along, started putting together consistent runs, it was like, okay, here's the one event with no draw. The draw means nothing. Everybody's on exactly the same ground, doing exactly the same pattern, exactly the same thing. And those guys, meaning uh, Todd Slack, uh, Bergen, Avila, well, he, Avila was kind of already still, was already there, kind of. But when, Doing when, the cow horse, but he yeah. was very competitive in the reigning as yeah. well. But, he, but it really changed. They had consistent stops and consistent head position. And they could do it run after run after run after run every time. Every time Todd and those guys, the Todds, um, knew what they could mark in the raining. None of us knew what we were going to mark in the herd and the fence because it was such a, you know, the greatest horse, greatest rider get a bad, I mean, it just split second deal. But 
they took all the guesswork out of the reigning and they beat everybody by about three points, at least a solid three point lead. Just think about that in an event, you know, you can get ahead of everybody by three to maybe as much as six points. Easy. You know, everybody's marking 16s. These guys were able to mark 20s, 21s. You know, 16 was a pretty big score then, Todd, in the reigning. Mm-hmm. Pretty big score. Uh, uh, 13 was not. If you're a 16 in the reigning now, you better hope you've got yeah. more divisions to shoot out than just the open. Right. And when, to, when the reigning came along, it made everyone realize, oh, Lord. We've been just getting through the rainy. Their lead changes were just every time. Even though Todd I know says the, he's I the know. worst lead changer in the world, they still came He's lead now change. sitting across the table from... From the worst <laughs> lead changer in the world. <laughs> so what did you see, Todd? I mean, we're going to skip around just a little bit right here, but you've seen that rain and move from Ohio to Oklahoma. Yeah. And draw some parallels to the cow horse and snaffle bit moving from the west coast back here to fort worth yeah and what you see happening there and if you think it'll kind of follow that same trajectory and some of the and too todd what they thought was going to happen some of the worries and then what well uh you know we talked a lot about that i talked a lot about that with people who were actually in the governance of the reigning and decided to move from Ohio to Oklahoma. Oklahoma yep. And guess what? There was a lot of pissed off people, you know? Yep. Um, but as obviously, as you look at it now, it was the best thing that could have happened for the reigning horse association. I believe that you could say the same thing about moving the, snaffle bit fraternity which was a very difficult difficult move you know i I probably won as much money if not more than anybody in that reno arena it was a very difficult move but i believe for the industry it was i know it was the best move because we were at a point where we were going to lose major sponsors if we continued to stay in renos so in, in terms of those parallels, I think, again, that the same things happen because we moved it to a central location. Mm, a whole lot more people can play now. And, and I don't think that we have seen really the, the results of that because we're only three years into it or going on maybe our fourth. Um, but I, I think obviously that's been a huge move for Rain Cow Horse. Hey, Chris, you know, I got to tell you one thing I love when I'm riding these horses is my Martin saddle. I love the fact that they make a saddle. You can get a roping horn in. You can cowboy out of it. It still sits you where you want to sit the same as you want to sit when you're showing, when you're cutting. I love the all-around ability of the seat that they've put in those saddles. I've had a ton of interaction with Brian Peterson over there at the factory. That guy goes from the, they built their own trees right there in the factory. You can go in there, take a tour. They will show you a square piece of wood and they take (laughs) that and turn it all the way into a beautiful saddle. And when you do go through there, what is staggering is how much handwork is in it. You think that there's some machine that stamps all them flowers out. Mm Mm-mm. 
that those are all hand carved no kidding that's yeah. cool yeah i know i've been i've, I've kind of been around them shoot since i worked at carol's and seen them developing these saddles and they have put the work into them and i've got a couple there at the house and shoot we've got one that oh they carved our brand into there on the skirts there and my wife shows in it quite a bit and i've got another one that i won at southwest pre and i love that saddle i mean it yeah, it, you know. go online and check out Lance Johnson's saddle he got for winning the oh, pre-fraternity National Stock Car. It was beautiful. So pretty. They can do whatever horn you want. They have a new system where they block those stirrups a little bit, especially for your non-pros and, well, for me. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm terrible about cowboying my whole life. I'm wanting to get, I get my feet behind my shoulders constantly. That's just the way I was. The seat helped me immensely, but this block is another little help. When you relax your legs, your feet hang right in front of your shoulders where they're supposed to be. Instead of when you relax too much, they go behind you. I just, I love it. I can't say enough about them. Can't say enough about the effort Brian has put into it. I remember out in California, he showed up out there and we're working on how to build a better saddle. And he just stops by, didn't really know him much. He stops in there and just taking it over. I, we have sca- saddles scattered over my whole, every saddle we could find, we got and put on every horse I had. And we went over the trees, the fit, the seat. I mean, just over and over and over. And they built a beautiful saddle that, I love to ride in all day, every day. And you can always find Brian at the uh, Southwest Rain Cow Horse shows. He'll be in there mixing it up with us. And so this yep. guy, he's out there showing. A lot of guys are making saddles. That's hey, all they sit in the saddle show. Won the world on a little top sale main ra- no rainmaker. No kidding. Mare. How awesome yeah, is that? Well, congratulations, role. Brian Peterson. Senior, yeah, it was cool. So he's in it all the way. That's awesome. So no matter what event you guys are doing, whether it's a cutting, barrel racing, raining, roping, Steer Dobbin. Steer Dobbin, my favorite cow horse. There's a Martin saddle for you. And you can go talk to them or Facebook them on. Whatever that technology is, it's fine. It's on the Martin Saddlery Facebook page. You can always send them a message right there. Or you can check them out at www.martinsaddlery.com. And I think that as as we talk about horses and, and what happens with the horse industry itself, and Russell, we've talked about this before, showing in the finals in that Will Rogers Coliseum has changed the way we prepare our three-year-olds and made us much more diligent in attempting to make them... (laughs) Right, right. You know, attempting to make them have to handle much more difficult situations because that's the way that that arena sets up i mean it's it's a it's a dirty tough bitch is what mm-hmm. it is <laughs> it is uh, um, and, and and that's what i love about it i love but that has changed that has changed we i believe now we have trained as a three-year-old a much better cow horse yes and so now as a, then a four-year-old and a five-year-old and six-year-old you know if they, they had all that more st- as a three-year-old they'll take more as a four and five-year-old they had all that stuff and, yeah. and we're probably still learning how to yeah we haven't to, even got there yet we haven't yes. even got there yet so as, as um you know the futures is what remains to be seen as to what what's going to happen but i think that that's why we have such a high number of great fence runs now you know and, and not taking anything away from 
the fence runs back from whenever because uh, as I watched those videos, I thought, man, I, I didn't see any rainworks or anything, but I thought those they look those cow horses look good, you know, real good. Yeah, well, I I watched them. I watched both. The rainworks would be terrible today. Mm-hmm. They would be absolutely terrible. They would not mark anything. The fence work, um, there's some of them that aren't that good, but there's some of them that, that would mark. That are good. Yeah. yeah. Sure good. There are some of them that dang sure. Well, I know, I think maybe the first year or two that we had this horse show, the Snafflebit Surety there in Fort Worth, people were talking about, you know, how many people got eliminated in it. And I was like, well, did you ever go to the finals in Reno? Because during the Snafflebit finals, guess what? There's some really good runs. There's some really bad runs, and there's some that are just kind of average. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happens. No and matter there, what. There's some that get mucked out. You yep, know, yep. They might yep. be leading the composite c- coming into the fence work and gone. Bad draw. So, And that's what makes the cowhorse so appealing to me, Todd, is because you don't know. So the chance that any owner, any rider, or any horse has – at winning that fraternity, that's what makes it great. You know, just because you've got a great horse, you still might not win. You might have to wait to be a four-year-old, five-year-old to win because tonight that split second might take you out. And, and yeah, that's terrible for you, but it gave somebody a win. And, and if you had a great horse and you just got taken out, the guy that got it, behind you that maybe didn't have as great a horse you might beat up on him for the next two years or three years but that night you made that horse a winner you made if it's a mare you made that horse worth something as a brood mare forever you made them owners hooked forever and you gave that rider a, a trophy to be proud of and to hang his career on for a long long time so i'm not opposed at all to luck having something to do with it and with making the arena harder to where luck does help you more and out. It helps you in and out more. Hey, so American Aquarium has a new song out and it's called The Harder You Work, The Luckier You Get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a lot to well, yeah, there's a lot to what Todd's saying right there. Yeah, it ain't all just luck. Yeah. A lot of it's pressure. Yeah. And if you can handle it. If so, you can handle it. To back up just a little more, what, um, how long, when the rain had moved... How long did it take, do you think, before people really got their arms around that that was, in fact, the best decision? Because, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to me on the cow horse right now, mm-hmm. but I'm just going back into that transition. Yeah, p- uh, probably, probably two or three years. I mean, look at our entries last year. I can't. I know we had to add two days right. to the event. So yeah, we were 100 up last year, if I remember right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that and – that's probably two years earlier than what we had anticipated to see that kind of growth, you know? So, you know, there. That, we're so I don't it. even hear the conversation anymore, Todd. No. I don't, yeah. that's not even a conversation should we have gone to no. Fort Worth and what, and you said we're going to it. So it's three years. And Listen. probably that's about what the raining. Yeah. But after that, they all knew, hey, man. Get on the boat. This is this is the one we need to be on. Not unlike I would think the uh, national finals moving from Oklahoma to Las Vegas. I yeah. mean, they said yeah. there was a lots of opposition to that, oh. but obviously killer, right? I mean, that was a no brainer right there. 
Big beast. Yeah. That's a big old beast right there. A little different moving a little farther towards the West Coast than what we're doing. But we are also a participation sport where everybody has to all their horses. Vegas is a spectator sport where all they got to do is get on a plane. Yeah. So really, Vegas is cheaper and easier to get to for the spectator than, right. than anywhere. And they've got a lot of other stuff too. So a little bit different beast. But as far as the accessibility goes for the NFR, Vegas is more accessible and Fort Worth is more accessible for us because now we've got all the West Coast. I mean, the number of people that you have never seen that were at the fraternity this year, is in, it's insane. It's crazy. And until you think about the number of people that are there watching the, the preliminaries of, of <laughs> the, the world <laughs> and, and the, and the world's it. greatest and, and those things, it's like, It's wow. crazy. Yeah. The yeah. prelims for the world's greatest. Now we've talked to this a, a few times. That um, the prelims is bigger than our. I mean, we're, we're our have finals. Sell, we're gonna have to sell tickets. Yeah, I know, to the prelims, I know, and and it's the really the best show because you get to see the roping and the fence work. You get to see fifty of them for mm, free. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, good. And just screaming, <laughs> they're just screaming. And it's so fun to be in it in that pen. And, you know, this year and last year, we stacked uh, 17 to 20 youth on top of it. So it's really 70 to about 70 runs for Mm -hmm. free. It is crazy what that's come from. Used to be 25 total. We're trying to get in it in the prelims. We had it in... The Lazy E. Lazy E, yeah. Yeah, can yeah, you, a, can uh, you yeah, imagine yeah. That, that great big arena? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Would have been empty. It, it was. <laughs> we did have a lot of people come to the finals. So. Yeah, uh, that was that was something. I remember I'm up there. The I don't know, it was maybe the second year, Diane Bricker's in it, and I'm down there for some reason at the outgate, and Pat Russell's running the, the outgate, you know, it's the rope, and they got the head pins. Uh, the out the catch pin is locked and Donnie's missed about twice and he's down there and I'm right there by Pat and he's like for God's sake Pat just let me out <laughs> Pat goes Donnie there's only about 50,000 people watching <laughs> just stay in there and catch him <laughs> and there was not 50,000 people <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it feels like in that arena. <laughs> yeah. There's, that's the worst place to miss. Yeah. Oh, but I think that's what God. adds to the pressure of that loop, right? I mean, mm, it's the terrible. worst place to loop, to miss one. I mean, you can miss one at a lot of ropings for a lot of money. No, it's, and not, even, it's not even a and blip. It's, <laughs> no, it's like no big deal. But, man, you miss one in the world's greatest. You're like, you know that you're going to hear, A, you're going to hear about it. From every one of your roper buddies, right? For the next year, like, hey, if you need to come, need to come practice, come yeah, on over. Come on over. Come on over. I, maybe I'll show you. May keep your elbow up. Maybe if you learn like, to rope, man, you can uh, win it. Yeah. No matter how bad you were in the herd in the rain, right. if you miss right. in the rope and does with their, no matter how bad. <laughs> so, all right. So we're back. We're at Finley College teaching. And we, what's the uh, impetus to move to Arizona? Mostly at that time, about 80, early 80s, 
the economy got bad. And, and there was just a whole lot more to the horse world than I felt like than back there in that area, which um, was a little bit economically strapped at that time. So I made the move to Arizona and, and California and, and to see, you know, like you read the magazines and, and at that time, I think it was, do you remember what that magazine was that they used to have in California where oh, you'd see those guys? Uh, yes. Um, but I mean, I would, I would see that magazine. And, I'm not that old. I, I, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. I'll think of it in a second. Uh, but you the would Bible. see, <laughs> you would see Back that magazine then. and, and, uh, see those horses and see those riders and Ronnie Richards and Bobby Ingersoll and Manny Gatron and Les Vogt and, you know, and Al Dunning and all those guys. And so that's, that, that's, I just wanted to see more from the horse world than just what that East coast. So what was the starkest um, difference coming from the East coast to the West coast that you saw Todd? What was like, Wow. Well, the the economy was just so much better. And I mean, it was actually like, okay, we have horse shows year around here in because of the weather on the West Coast. And actually, even because of the climate, you know, you went you went year round. And and two, like in California, when I trained there at the DLR ranch, you those people were forced to have their horse in training because they didn't have a backyard to keep them in Mm. for the most part, you know? So, so that was, that was the biggest difference was that you, that it was horse training was actually a business out West because I believe a lot because of the climate, you know, in Ohio and Pennsylvania, I mean, by the time after the Congress was finished, you know, you might be chopping wood or any kind of, you know, money that you could scrape by between November and March, you know, riding a few horses because those horses all went home because the show season was done. So, so that was the biggest difference was just, it it was, you know, kind of year round horse showing and, and you, the business was stronger. And therefore year round horse training. Year round horse training. Yep. So what, what was it that took you to Arizona? Who'd you go to work for? No, I went to work for Pete um, and spent a couple years there um, at Pete's and he did, uh, he did everything. He, I mean, they, they did the hunter hack, the pleasure driving, the Western riding, the halter, the roping, the reining. I mean, I think about every event that they had at the AQHA shows, they did. And so. Where was his place out there? They're in Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Uh-huh. Scottsdale. That was a pretty big hub, even yep. then, yep. even early on. So what, yeah. about what year is this when mm. you go there in Pete's? 83. 83. 83 to 85, and then I went to California in 85. Oh, yeah. 83, 85. Mm-hmm. Out there to Cookies? Out to yep. DLR? Yep. That was, um, that has to be, people don't imagine how hard it would be to be a horse trainer when it freezes up all winter. You know, where I was raised on the West Coast and then moving this way, the weather never really stopped us. It got cold and it got hot, but you could, you could bear down and get through it. Um, in California? In California. Oh, my here, God. 
out here there ain't no like there are some days where oh my god yeah yeah try pennsylvania yeah exactly like if people just don't Russell, from the west coast you have don't. you ever heard the expression of uh i'm not sure yet <laughs> You could remain silent and be thought a fool or speak <laughs> and remove all doubt. <laughs> you just complained no, about the winters no. in California. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't complaining about them. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you're out there, you don't realize. So I get a job to go cowboy in Wyoming one time. You sound After. like Andrew Steger. The no, water, the buckets froze. Was. The buckets froze. Oh, how much colder could it get? It get? <laughs> so I, I go to Cowboy and I take off in my little half ton truck, my two horse trailer, two dogs and two horses, and I don't let dogs ride in the truck. <laughs> this is I just don't. So I just like all right, I'll just drive all right, no big deal. I just take off, go to Reno. I'd stop at Binion's to look for a job. They got a ranch there. That didn't pan out. And I just take off driving all night. I hit a snowstorm out in the middle of Wyoming. And I Wait, cannot... wait, 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 wait. You went to Reno to Binion's. Yeah, How did you end up in Wyoming? I was going to a job in Wyoming Oh, uh, for the Swabackers. And I just stopped there because there was supposed to be a job maybe at Binion's. Well, I can't see the road in the middle of the night because it's snowing so hard. The little, I always wondered what the little reflectors were for. <laughs> so you know where the road is when the snow comes. And I'm in a two-wheel drive and I got them two horses in an aluminum open-sided open-back trailer. And I know if I ever stop moving, I am done. It was 40 miles to the last town and the signs say it's 40 to the next one. <laughs> I actually had to let the dogs in the pickup with me. And when the cop pulled me over <laughs> two and a half hours later, I was so happy to see anybody. <laughs> Did he follow you for two and a half hours? No, he didn't follow me. I saw, when he when he turned the lights on, I stopped and tried to he didn't want to let me in the car with him. <laughs> so now I'm lost. We work for Pete Kyle. We were we're in yeah, Pete, we're Kyle. Pete Kyle, Scottsdale, doing all the events. All year round now. And you're of, and what are you doing for Pete? Are you I mean, full mix horse training or raining or yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything. Oh, Just yeah. whatever needs yeah, done. Showing. Everything. Yeah, we. I mean, probably mainly he had a lot of um, youth kids and, and amateurs, and and it was maintaining those all-around horses to, to go show. Yeah, so that that's a, you know, I, I believe a great background, you know, for the reining. And, yeah, I mean, you just learn to move parts and you know, keep horses maintained, but, but we did get to show a lot. So that's something that I hadn't done previously. It was more horse training at home, kind of like we're doing now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) horse training at home um, versus horse showing. So not a ton of showing when you were at Finley there. No, no, it was, it was not much showing at all. Hey, so the, um, the horse industry itself up there in Pennsylvania, was it more of a non pro driven industry than open yeah much more much more um non non pro i mean and 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 again it was more of the rail classes and pleasure and whatnot it was and so kind of 
what what we said then was that you know if you had a horse that couldn't do anything else you tried to make it a reigning horse you know <laughs> because because that was like the last the last, last slot that, uh, you know was, okay this one can't be a pleasure horse it can't be a halter horse and so let's see if rain it, on it what the heck <laughs> Let's see if we can't put some big shoes and run out there on the grass and see if it won't slide. Yeah. So I've heard stories about the rain from back in that day that like they'd be having a rain and it might be on an infield of a track and the guys are talking about, can you believe it's never going to get any better than this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you back there in, in close to my hometown when we showed throughout the summer, I, I believe it rained every weekend that we showed and, and they didn't have any indoor arenas back not because it was a raining show no because it was raining it was just raining so i mean you put your rain jacket on and your rain hat and you went and showed where like can you remember the last time you showed outside pueblo, pueblo. i was just colorado you yeah. know i mean that was 2013 so. pueblo hackmore classic Yep. Oh yeah, I remember it pretty good. <laughs> Where in California we showed a lot outside. Yeah, a lot. You know, yeah. and and that was it's. I mean, it's enjoyable to get to show outside. I I think. Yeah, but can you imagine having the rainers go out in the rain and rain? That's what we did nowadays. Hey, I there mean, was yeah. one of those uh, Gladstone USET events. Yeah, I, now, I never went with you out there to that one when I was there, but I remember there was one year that it rained like a son of a gun, and like <laughs> it was a slop hole from what from the stories. It rained every day. Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the with the Kaiser drags and everything that's happened with the ground. Now we're also spoiled. So speaking of that, you know, when, like when we showed in Fresno and, and we showed in Reno in the early days, you, you talk about the raining and the draw. Well, there was a, a bit of a draw factor because when, when they started in the morning, you know, they had the two hour prep of getting the ground ready. Well, I'm telling you what now, they doused that <laughs> arena with as much water as they could get on there so that it would last it would all make day. Till, no, it would just get till noon. Get till noon. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you drew right after lunch, you were probably in trouble too because they're going to douse it, it again. <laughs> oh man. I remember. And then if you, if you drew up, you know, towards the evening or late at late morning, you know, the t- Chances were it's going to be dusty and yeah. you were going to be sliding, you yeah. know? So, you have it made. <laughs> so that's, it, it's amazing how that's changed though. You know, I mean, now it's like, it's, it's the same ground well, like, all the way through. And no one even looks where to run now. And when we, and I'm like in Reno, there were holes that you did not <laughs> run to. Every, you picked your ground to, not to run to the holes. That were in the raining arena all the time. And I, I can't remember anybody seriously needing to go to a different spot in an arena in the last few years. No. Seriously. I mean, there were. I can relate with that. Buffalo from, wallows. From growing up, growing up doing the Appaloosas where we had, it was mostly a breed show deal. And we did every event. And you might show in the raining or the cow horse maybe right after the barrel race. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ran right down the middle, you were going to hit, you know, they had drug between events, but they hadn't like done anything about that 
pit yeah. from where them guys were running and hitting that third barrel. Third barrel. And so you better get your butt off center and like think about some other things besides just run down the middle of the pin and stop, you know? And so like I say, I, I, I mean, at the time it was kind of a hardship, but looking back on it, I mean, I feel very blessed to have gone through some of that. And just like Todd's talking about, uh, finding Rainin was their last hole if they didn't make anything else. I remember getting them horses in. My folks had a training facility there in Kearney, Nebraska, and they'd send us one to be a pleasure horse, was usually the first thing they sent it to us to be. And if it didn't make a pleasure horse, well, maybe it didn't. Well, now we'll try the trail or the Western riding. Well, it doesn't change leads very good or it hits a lot of poles. <laughs> well, so then, all right, well, we'll rain. Well, it doesn't stop. So now, okay, well, maybe we'll rope on it. And then, like, we'd heal on it. Well, it doesn't, still doesn't stop. <laughs> it still doesn't and stop. So, so now, it's, now it's a head horse. And that's where I came in. <laughs> right? So all through school, I rode head horses. And I was, like, I was the, the last, last soldier. Right? It was like the Alamo out there. And so that was some real prizes. I mean, we had a few that were good to rope on. But there was some, there were some real winners in there that we were trying to turn steers on. Are you okay over yeah, there? They were the they were the best ones. You okay over there? You yeah. need to take that. And go ahead, nope. go ahead and take that call if you need to, Russell. No it worry. was a text. It, we're not it, we're not it, doing anything here. It was your parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> it said you're due for a delicing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah. we've been out there at Pete's for two years, something like that, mm-hmm. and then we moved to California. What what took us to California? Um, my friend Chris Benedict had had a facility there and said, Hey, if you would come over here, I'll get you, I'll get you some horses to ride. I'll help you get started. And, and you can train out of my facility. Yeah. Right, shoot. How many stalls they got there? Probably 60, oh, 70 or oh. was he doing just cutters at that time? He At that time he was ready to make the move from kind of the all around, you know, show horses to just doing cutting horses. So that was his like, Hey, you can help kind of take over my business of of these all-around horses a little bit get yourself started and then you can go from there as far as you know um, what kind of business you can make out of it but you can help me out in the interim and that was about 85 mm-hmm. wow so, you so what there. drew you to the cow horse Todd? so like because they did cutting horses there chris did and and you know he had a couple of the other cutting horse trainers worker um chubby turner and rod kelly different guys so they they train cutting horses and i mean i was always interested even from when i was work for dale in the cutting um but i didn't feel like i could really compete against those guys you know and so it's like well there's this other event over here that you know you can do cow work of, uh, and um you know looks more fun really than just cutting Maybe I'll try that. And, then, and, I, and I have my own kind of little niche there so that I can do, you know, I'm training all around horses and, and you know, trying to make a living. But I can, because at this facility is set up to have cattle, I can venture out into doing some, some of that. But, you're, but you've already done pretty good in the raining <clears throat> when oh. you get there? No, no. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
my goal was to win a belt buckle before I turned 30. I was going to quit horse training. Okay. So, you know. It's getting close, Ethel. It's a long, hard road. Um, but but that, that that whole that move there and and again starting with the all around horses and I mean I had I had the background to do reining but you had to you had to ride what came you know mm-hmm. so you had to make a living first and foremost and then as I did and 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 could started in and and did some reining horses and was successful then I kind of got to where I could wean out of the all-around horse, pleasure horse stuff, you know? And and then kind of same thing as as I moved back here to Oklahoma and, and you know, trying to do both reining and, and cow horse, which I did a lot, but it makes you be gone a lot. And, and you know, they're so specialized as it became more and more specialized. You know, it's just kind of easier to, hey, maybe I ought to just do the cow horse, which... You know, I mean, I guess you have the life choices and you can do this or you can do that. And okay. That's what you chose. What's more fun. Mm-hmm. So, but you had, uh, so when's your first reign of fraternity? I mean, your, I'm sorry, your first cow horse fraternity. My first cow horse fraternity was in 89 in Vegas. Oh, really? That was the same year my wife was born in case she was <laughs> like. He married young Todd. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't take that dog. <laughs> so, um, so, it, so when's your first reign of fraternity? Couldn't even tell you. Um, I mean. Much so, earlier. Well, so um, obviously I've been to all the reign of fraternities, but, you know, as to actually have shown one, I don't, I can't remember necessarily. Might have been new checks to cash. Mm. But I don't know. Um, so... You've reigned for a while before you go to your first cow horse fraternity? Yes. And did you do any age events in the cow horse before you went to the fraternity, or is that your... Um, so, at that time, we we just did... You know, my introduction into the cow horse was through the court horse shows. Oh, okay. AQHA okay. cow horse. Okay. So, I mean, there we go with, you know, some pleasure horses, some some of this, some of that, kids, whatnot. Here's a reigning horse. And, you know, I got a horse. Maybe I can sneak through the cow horse in some fashion and, and show. Did you see that before you, did you see the cow horse before you came to California? Yeah. Or the first Arizona time I showed in a cow horse was in Douglas, Arizona in a, um, I don't know, great big, uh, wide open kind of a, a racetrack place and i remember it had a wire mesh fence there you know so it was the telephone poles and wire mesh fence and the cattle were banging off the thing and i and i trampoline and i couldn't figure out i was out there trying to circle to get finished you know (laughs) get the whistle it's like somebody blow a whistle uh, (laughs) so how could you possibly get to the cow's neck to (laughs) circle the cow (laughs) Yeah, no. I guess the part I really want to learn about is I've been a, pretty familiar with your career up until 85 and then after 2000. But I would really like to de- delve into the time you were at DLR up until the new century. Until 2000. You know, I kind of miss that too. <laughs> <laughs> when, like, when I got to your house, Pam had 
of, of a huge stallion station. There were studs everywhere. When did she start that? And when did you guys, you know, incorporate that into the business plan? Um, I don't know that it was a plan necessarily, but <laughs> she, she kind of, she had shown horses and just kind of got interested in that, morphed into that side business of, of doing that. And, and she did, um, stand a lot of studs and have a lot of mares and, and, and actually it was, you know, I mean, the more you can diversify and, and do different things, the better. And, you know, in several instances, it kind of saved us, you know, like, especially when we moved it back to Arizona or excuse me, Oklahoma here that, um, you know, I mean, that was a big part of the business. So, and I can't tell you actually when she started that, um, but it was sometime. Did there. she go to Finley also? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you meet her there, huh? At Finley? Did you uh-huh. meet Pam at Finley? Yep. 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 And then you have two girls. Two girls. Skip that. Carter McKinnon. Mm-hmm. So a- anyways, in that time frame, you know, let's say from 89 to, to 2000, you know, we were just showing horses again, you know, whatever, whatever came in that you could train. And, and that, that, California area, as you know, Russell, is is just a, a phenomenal place to, for a horse trainer to, to be because, like like I said... Year-round. And then year Temecula, round. on top of that, Todd, like for the people that don't know, you were surrounded by people that are huge in all industries, mm-hmm. all, all of the horse training industries, well, and, all and around you. People that could economically afford... on top of it to show horses you know and and that's important because you know all places aren't like that yeah there's a lot of people there can afford it and that's why there's a lot of the top end trainers all around where you were when you were in Temecula it was a nest of Mm -hmm. high-end guys Tim Smith's right down the street Roberta McCarty Bob Avila I mean I don't even know how many people. I just visited down there from Porterville, which was kind of a lower per capita income situation. That down there was crazy. Mm-hmm. What was going on? And, and there were <clears throat> lots of shows in that area. And then obviously there are lots of shows throughout California. Again, me as my business developed mostly AQHA shows. And, and then, you know, kind of... Um, slipping off to the snaffle bit fraternity in vegas and and i went to another snaffle bit fraternity in reno maybe in 92 after that uh, i think i went to the first fresno fraternity with the mayor but the first time i made the finals i made the finals with two horses in 94 in fresno Mm -hmm. um and so and and then it's kind of like you remember which horses those were uh, I, I rode a Remnick stud and a Master Remedy Gildan, and and I'm gonna say one of them ended up fifth, and one of them ended up on down the line somewhere. But they were they were both they were both very good, and and you know like we talked about earlier, they were both the uh, one in particular was very good in the riding, and the other one was was um, adequate the Master Remedy, and um, you know, but they they were both kind of cow bread and, and I got got them showed. Mm-hmm. Were those horses sent to you specifically to go to the Snaffle fraternity or how did, what was the Actually the, the Remnick stud, I, I 
he was probably sent to me to be a, a reigning horse, which we did do. Um, he went to the reigning fraternity as well. Uh, but, you know, at that time, you could do both events. Um, so he did, he showed in the cow horse fraternity as well and made the finals there. And the, and the gelding um, wasn't going to be a reigning horse, um, but he was had enough cow and, and everything that he, um, you know, I could show him in the cow horse. But was that like a backup kind of a deal? Like, hey, this isn't going to maybe make what you guys want it to make. Yes. And so we're going to go this way with yes, it? Yes, yes. It's like, hey, this horse is not going to be a reigning horse, but if you want to, we can try to do the cow horse. Yep. So from then to now, Todd, we're just skipping back and forth a little bit, but the difference between at that time, the cow horse was a little bit of a catch-all for the cutting and the reining. And now it just feels like the cow horse is getting more. That's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I lived there in California and had all those cutting horse trainers around me, mm-hmm. you know, I would get a lot of horses from those guys saying, hey, look, is, this horse is not going to be a cutting horse, but maybe be a cow horse. You know, I was like, okay, hey, great. I, you know. Send him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Bring it. And, and now... I, I absolutely love to say, um, hey, I don't think this horse can be a cow horse because I don't think he's fast enough. And I don't, you know, he gets on his front end and he gets down too low. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to have trouble stopping, but I think he'd be a cutting horse. Yeah, that is a lot of fun for me. And they're, and, they're, and they're really, they're okay cutting horses. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say I've had one win the cutting fraternity yet, but they're, they're, they're okay. They're nice cutting horses. But for those reasons, you know, they can't run. They're a little lower neck and on their front end a little bit more. And, and uh, hey, this, this horse has got some value, but probably not in my arena. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I think the last two random fraternity finals that I had, I, I was trying to make cow horses. And they weren't going to cow horse, and I had to go rain on them, and they made the finals. And I'm waiting for that to come to fruition in this cutting deal, because right now, (laughs) I've been showing cutters, and Matt Budge came to my house the other day, and I was like, I'm really excited to show a cutter that would have made a snaffle bitter, because right now... It's kind of the ones that won't make the snaffle bitters are what I'm playing with to try and go cut on. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, because they all want to call you. Like, man, this thing's not quite going to cut. Maybe it'll cow hort. Yeah, no. No. Why why don't you like it? Well, it's a little too heavy on his front end. I'm like, well, it's probably too heavy on his front end for us also. I do because we have to all. It's easier to go find one that can't do all three events and just pick one. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's always been funny to me coming. I wasn't in any of these worlds and then come here and I'm like, so you're taking the one that can't do one of it and trying to do three. <laughs> that seems weird to me. <laughs> and in, you're in, not in even April. trying to in do in April. Right, April. <laughs> and you're not even doing three different events. You're going to include the event you don't think he's good enough at. <laughs> in April. And do two other ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's, I've seen a, I don't know if it's just a respect factor or whatever, but I think since we've moved here to Fort Worth, I think we've seen Rainers and Cutters be like, so this takes a special horse to do this. This yeah. is not just a, 
uh, you know, we might not be the goat ropers that we were once thought to be. <laughs> like, are we? Are, are we? Are but well, they we might be us for it, <laughs> right? But it's hard to blend three events and put them all together and oh. go show them on a Saturday night, especially with such attention deficit syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So uh, yeah. So do you remember the first time somebody sent you one and said, "Hey, I want." This horse to be a snaffle bit fraternity. That's our goal. That's what I want to do. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Sometimes Russell's reaction is the best thing about this whole interview process. (laughs) Nope. No, that's not it. I don't, I do not remember that. So going back and picking up some cool horses that you had, like Hickory Holly C, what was her plan when you got her? So I did, um, so I'm going to say my, uh, in 96, Greg Whalen, who was a very well-known halter horse trainer in California, uh, said it, that, again, because we, I was at the AQHA shows all the time and we, Fools around and visited and whatnot. Bob Kale's father-in-law, right? Bob Kale's father-in-law said, hey, I, I want to buy a mare. I want to buy a good mare. It's like, okay. You know, and, and so where do you go to find a, a good mare? I came back to the Youth World show that year, which would have probably been 95, and uh, I found a mare. Uh, Tom Ryan took me and showed me a mare. Uh, her name was Raylena Bell. So I bought her for Greg and took her home and trained her and I came to the Snafflebit fraternity and you know so that was in 96 I made the finals for the first time in 94 and I won the I won the herd work on her I won the rain work on her and I was second in the fence work yeah yeah and I mean I didn't really know how to cut and I really didn't know how to go down the fence but but I you know, I knew something about raining. So anyways, and, and then she ended up second in the fraternity. Uh, Ted won it on one of, I can't remember what horse. One of them seven. One of them seven. <laughs> and so, you know, that was, and then the next year, Greg, so we, we sold that mare to Pat Warren in Arizona. And Greg said, I want to buy another one. So I went up there to Placerville. Jason Clark had an uh Ken, forget Ken's last name, but Jason Clark was training for a, a fella up there and uh, and had this mare Hickory Holly C. And so I bought her for Greg and went to train her and went to this Nafflebit fraternity. And I don't know, um, I don't know how she did. She made the finals, obviously, and and she was a very, very good mare, did very well in the herd work and did very well in the rain work. And then that was right after. John Ward had fallen down in the prelim or in the finals of the Snafflebit Fraternity on Masteroni and and then know, won it and, and, then, and got then won it. it and then he won it yep and um and so this was the next year and at that time they said they made a rule that said if you fall down you're a zero you're out yep and and I think Hickory Holly C had a, like a ten point lead in the in the fraternity 
after the two events and got to one of the circles and fell down. And so she was a zero and she, she was out, you know. Um, one of the most heartbreaking runs in my uh, that I remember watching. I, 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 mean, I, I, mean, I never no, got to I see saw it. it. I'm um, just like, he's killing it. He's winning this thing, hands down. This mare is, this mare is it. I mean, it. And it, like he said, that's a new rule that we don't even have our head wrapped around yet. And I'm, st- I'm pretty young then. I'm not in it that long, but. And I'd just seen John Ward fall down went the year before. And maybe, and his fall down was kind of out in the middle and stuff. No, he didn't. It was dang sure a hard fall down. But at that time, it wasn't a big deal. He falls and it's just all over. Like, he's not second, third. <laughs> right. It's over. Like, he's it's a, the, the goose egg. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a heartbreaker. It was a tough one. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, I mean, you know, then. But it made her, but she's still famous. She's so good, Chris. I mean, she's, no she's one so did not, I mean, no one didn't know oh. what a great horse that was. And per, so that I'm was 97 was her fraternity year. I think, I, would, I, I think, the, I think so. I think so. Cause 98 was Greg. Yeah. Right. Right. 99 That's right. Was so Bob, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. So. Phenomenal horse. Phenomenal job trainer. Well, Phenomenal. That, uh, she was broke. That was one of those kind of horses that, you know, both those two, you know, um, Hercule uh, Holly C. and Raylena Bell. Mm-hmm. I mean, like at that time, like the stuff that I know now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they, were, they weren't broke at all. <laughs> but but they were just very good horses. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, the, the moral of the story is good horses make good horse trainers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thinking about that, because I've looked back on some of mine that I did good on early on. And I would think, man, if I had that sucker again now. But then on the flip side of that coin is, would I have tolerated some of their idiosyncrasies now? Because I have a barn full of horses to ride. And would I tolerate that? I mean, that's what I had, and I had to figure out how to deal with it. And so is there any of that that goes along with those two mares? Was there anything funny that you had to put up with on those two mares that maybe you wouldn't put up with today with a barn full of horses and kind of having your pick? I really think that those two those two horses would be the top pick in my barn today. Or, they were special. or last year or the, the next year. Next year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, really, cool. I really do. Next ten years. Um, yeah. I mean, they were both pretty they were both set up to do the job and and you know for mares they were they were very professional and you know they weren't tough so they were they they would be good mares mm. yeah so hickory holly c was six when i came to work for you and i think that was the year that you went to gladstone and won the uset reigning on her mm-hmm. and i think uh this is a I think it's a good story anyway, but, uh, <laughs> so we're going to so, hear it. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to hear it. So Todd goes to Gladstone. I stay at home. I mean, I'm a lowly, lowly assistant. I don't know that 
Todd's ever said 10 words to me that didn't include a four-letter one. And uh, for so no I'm, reason at all. For no reason at all. <laughs> right? I mean, completely. Uh, at least I, I, I talked to you. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so he goes to Gladstone and he ties himself to win the USET reigning on Hickory Holly Sea and Amanu Bar Bay, this gilding that at the time Meg Griffith owned. And has a runoff with himself. Oh, that's and, awesome. And I watched the video not that long ago. Actually, I looked it up and watched the video. And, I mean, I don't know what a person would do if you were running off with yourself. If you were to put yourself in those shoes, like, okay, you're the winner. You're going to be first and second here. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what this guy did. He went and seen how hard he could run these two horses. And how good that both of them could be. And it was the coolest flipping video that I've ever seen for a rating. All right. I mean, that one. Wow. Unbelievable. Like he rips these things around. It is the coolest thing in the world. Like, I'm just like, how do you find the motivation? And that's my next question to you is how do you find the motivation right there to go and just see how big you can be when you're guaranteed the top two holes? That's how. <laughs> I, I I think the motivation comes from the fun in it, you know. I mean, hey, let's let's go, let's do it, you know. Um, yeah, that like because like you say, you can't be third, you can't be zero. You're gonna win first and second, so you could have went and schooled them both around and just you know whatever, took your first and second, seen what happened. Yeah, I sp- I suppose, but that. What fun would it have been? <laughs> Someone could have. <laughs> Someone could have. <laughs> How? What can I, my I, highest I, score be? I really don't like to school that much. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I like to show. I hate it. The wor- I tell you what, the worst thing about that, from my perspective, is when we got home, we had to carry this trophy. This trophy that he won <laughs> on Hickory Holly C was like this... 200 pound white stone trophy that we had to tote around and this son of a gun will whoop your butt dude i mean it was the worst thing to move i mean i went through three moves i think <laughs> two moves and we were talking like oh why couldn't he just went off pattern on one of these things <laughs> this is terrible i hate carrying this bastard around uh, I still have it there. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, bet. I bet it hadn't moved much since I was there. <laughs> it has not. Yeah. yeah, on Hickory Holly C. Yeah, on Hickory Holly C. Oh, yeah, because we went through the USET deal on her. Yep. So backing yep. up to her cow horse career, and he won the stakes and the derby on her. Yep. So I I think I won the stakes. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that, you did too. That that show was like there one year in Southern Utah, and I can't remember. I I think it was St. George. St. George. That's it. Because you said St. Croix. Or oh, something. did I? Yeah, it was St. George. It, that's Saint George, that's the place. St. George, Utah. Yeah. We showed there, and then and then yes, she did win in Medford, uh, the Derby, when we had it there. <laughs> so St. George, Utah. This is back when everybody hung out together. Afterwards, we go to a bar restaurant. We still hang out together. Look at us. All the time. And so there's this gigantic table that we're all eating dinner at. I don't know how many. 40 people. Easy. And it's one of those tables that it's really long and it has tablecloth that goes to the ground. So we're 
in this row of tables and everybody's talking and I just slip under the table. You're on, I was just going to ask if you were under the tablecloth. <laughs> so I go under you the ankle table. ankle biting bastard. <laughs> and I just hang out there for a while after, <laughs> after you know, I slip Yo, and I wait and I'm left and everybody's talking and not far from me is Sean Rinshaw. And next oh, to Sean Rinshaw is Annie Reynolds. Oh my so goodness. I just wait for a little while and they're talking and I, I just rub Annie's leg and then I quit. And I'm under there. I can see her looking. I'm like, what the hell? You can see? How can you see from the table? Oh, I can look up. It's that thin tablecloth. Then I do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And he has no clue what's going on at all. And she's like, what in the world? What the hell is he doing? (laughs) About the fourth time. It hits the fan. <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't know nothing. And then Annie notices me under there. I got outrun her for 15 then minutes. You were and then you were trapped. forget. No, you I, were didn't, tra- I didn't get trapped. I got gone. <laughs> and that's how I remember St. George. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I remember for Hickory Holly C. But. Yeah, I, you I weren't can, under. I can see why you weren't under the table rubbing no, Annie's right. foot either. <laughs> wasn't her foot? It was her leg. Yeah, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> she probably wouldn't even notice that. <laughs> it was uncomfortable for someone. That's not me. <laughs> so then, uh, talking about Leslie Day's fraternity, Todd up there. Man, that was a good time up there, too. She had a band come in that when they had awesome. the pre-30. I mean, it was fun. That that was good times up there. That was awesome. Yep. Yep. You that, guys keep talking about all these stuff I missed, and I'm getting nostalgic and sad. I can't even believe you weren't there. I was at home. I was, I was, I was around, but I was at home. Mm, we had gone to the party afterwards, and I was hanging out with uh, everybody. Pretty much. And then uh, had a good time. And Karen and Lori Ward and somebody else, they had gone, been drinking for a while, and had a good time, and went to the ice cream store. And they get in the ice cream, and they're ordering ice cream. And Karen Richards has got slip-on shoes that she's been wearing around. They're ordering ice cream, and Lori starts looking at Karen ordering ice cream and realizes she has her shoes on the wrong feet. <laughs> <laughs> they were too big you couldn't yeah, notice it just, they had just slipped off somewhere and she got them wrong going back on 50% chance <laughs> that was you know, that was like a there great was story fun. Russell was it, <laughs> it was a great fraternity it was fun very, very that, um, the arena was an L was a little bit of a leg down there by the roping box that kind of stuck out in there but everybody just dealt with it and it was one of those great big, long, wide arenas too. Yes, that I remember. Uh, I showed tangy, classy lady there, and and won the fraternity pre fraternity one yep. year there, and uh, it was one of those wild fence works that you know didn't didn't work didn't start as it was planned. <laughs> ended up working <laughs> ended out well. somehow. Yeah, yeah it ended well. Mm. Very good. So with tangy, classy lady. We had two years in a row there where you had, like, very symmetrical years. I don't know if that's the proper word or not. But, oh, uh, yeah. Whatever, linguist. 
<laughs> but like we won the you won the pre fraternity and then win second at the fraternity and win the Hackamore and the Bridal Snuff Bit fraternity mm-hmm. in both of those years. And I think Dima Paul won the non pro fraternity both those years. It was this weird deal. Wow. It was right at the front when I started working there. And so like there was this a huge cloud of superstition around the <laughs> ranch when I showed up there. Like, I mean, I'd grown up to be, you know, don't put your hat on the bed, don't oh, yeah. wear yellow, don't and this wear and yellow. that. But now I show up here, and it's like, you use the Jim Rozier bridal <laughs> champion pad on this. You got to have Tigger on your shirt, and like, it's crazy. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> it, apparently, it works because yeah. this is. I mean, like, things working. are rolling good, right? And I mean, I've just stepped into this new world of. Wow, and that really matters. It, but I've yeah. been doing it all wrong. All I thought it was wrong, just right. Yeah, now my wife looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I want that pad on that horse at this horse show and that pad on it at this horse. And she's like, what's wrong with you? A lot. Do and we I have time? Don't have time. <laughs> but I'm like, you can go blame that guy. Yeah, it was Todd Crawford's fault. I, I don't think it was my fault at all. I think <laughs> Maybe my wife, but <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know what patty on, no. <laughs> what shirt he had on. Well, I'm gonna tell you from the barn crew I, perspective. I did have a lucky shirt. They all did had, t- they all shirt. had Tigger on them. There was 14 of them boogers <laughs> with Tigger embroidered on them somewhere. I, maybe I need to get Tigger back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> where, Tigger, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in a tree with Pooh Bear. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, so anyhow. <laughs> I feel like we've just barely even scratched the surface. I have no uh, idea what our time I is. I don't know. I want to talk a little bit about Smoking Master. Cause oh, my goodness. That horse. Man. That horse. That um, horse. He he was incredible. For um, He was probably the first real true like cow horse that I ever rode. As far as... Um, you could like he wasn't very good in the rain and i mean he was adequate he mm-hmm. was he was mm-hmm. i i you know could do it i could do it but when it uh but you could just kind of literally sit there and say hey pat give me the baddest cow you got back there in that pen please and let's let's go and that horse could <clears throat> run so easy and he w- he was one of those horses that was like really right sided, you know, where everything he did was very very easy to the right, but like to spin to the left or do things to the left was very difficult. But having said that, he going down the fence to make a left turn, <laughs> no problem. Swallow. Yeah, yeah. Which you know I've never experienced since then um, how a horse could be like that you know, raining, uh, and then be able to like, Hey, I got this stay out of my way <laughs> and, and let me show you how get how back to up do there. It. Yeah. yeah. I got this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, he was very, he, and he could do that. It didn't matter who rode him. He had a non-pro rider. That's what I was going to say. Showing him, um, but he could do that in, with anybody. And, yeah. and so that was a, a good learning experience for me. What, what was that horse's background? Where did he come from? Did you train him from the beginning or no, when no. did you get him? I bought him in Fresno. Um, I bought him from John and Greg Ward. 
and Greg had trained him, and he maybe had some quarter crack soundness issues earlier in his career, which kept him from from showing. And I think Greg just trained him and trained him and trained him, and they kind of had him there and did whatever. And and he showed him there in the two ring that year that I bought him, and in uh, you know I liked him and and we got him bought and and then got to go show him, and I think. Some of his siblings doesn't John Pasco have like? A, oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Sabrina is uh, there. You go. His full sister, sister. and uh, oh, right. she yeah, and she was sixth at the fraternity, and then has produced a bunch, a bunch of them, and just a monster to mm-hmm. ride down the fence. I mean, same thing. Russell, how's everything up there in Winniewood with the old uh, COVID nineteen coronavirus? Hey, it's been a it's been a little bit of a struggle. I traveled out to California. It's a little more of a struggle out <laughs> right. there. Why would you go there voluntarily? Well, it's going to buy horses and just see how the people are doing. You. you know I what I'm you. saying? But you know you. what they were doing? They're riding. They're <laughs> all riding. A lot of, a lot of three year olds getting worked <laughs> right now. Riding and riding them. Yes. Yeah. I always up my feet a little bit in the summertime. Uh, this year, I. Uh, we started that process a little sooner. <laughs> Mine are all getting a little extra boost to that blue bonnet feeds right now. I feed that intensify and it just, uh, I try and start it before it gets terribly intense around the house mm. before they start losing the weight and then, yep. uh, and get them on there and, uh, just keep them looking awesome and ready keep to go horse show on. come fall, you know? Yep. Got a lot. I love the high fat and the intensified. Oh man. Yeah. I'm a, no, I'm it's, a believer in the high fat yeah. on the feeds. Oh, it just put it puts that extra bloom there without giving you that heat. Yeah, you know it doesn't yep. get them silly acting and what have you. They just, uh, you know, they come out and they're ready to go to work, but they got plenty of energy to do the work. Yeah, and I've uh, I've used their Equiline a lot too. Their Equiline line, um, they've got a, a lot of probiotics in there that help you out, get you through everything. They got low starch in them. I they're they're. They've got a lot of really, really great products. Right. That's there. what that's what Todd Crawford uses is that Equiline. He's been using it quite a while. Hard to win more than that guy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we just talked about that. What, three million, something like that, Todd? Oh, my Lord, Todd. How do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> oh, I know. Feed the feed. <laughs> That'll help. Hey, and if you're interested in learning more about the equine nutrition, you can go subscribe to Blue Bonnet Feed's new podcast, Chris, Feed Room Chemist. Go on there. They tell you all kinds of information about feed nutrition. You learn it all right there real easy. Just figure out where you want to go with Blue Bonnet products. And the big thing about Blue Bonnet, they got a product for your horses at every stage of life, from young to old. You know, you get over them horses that need a little more at the at the end of their career. They'll help you out there. If you just try your brood mares, your working horses, all through there. They have a product that'll fit you. And Blue Bonnet will test all of their raw ingredients, Chris, so that they know that they're putting the best feed in your feed. Because once it's in a pellet, how do you know it's not junk? No, well, that's it. That's it. That's And, and, and that's where I love them so much, you know, is just... I have all the faith and all the trust in that company that they're only using the best stuff. If they're going to put their name on it, you better believe it, mister. It's going to be the real deal. And as good as what you can buy, they make it all and mill it all right up there at Ardmore, Oklahoma, just down the road from Hardy Murphy Coliseum. Yep, and I know it's good all the way across the culture. The whole company is that way because I've bought cow feed from them 
of the cake mix for the summer for the winter for my uh, breeding cows and that feed you can tell when the pellets come out of the bin they're tighter they're cleaner everything is is just a higher class of cake from beginning to end and it's the same in the horse feed that's their idea in that company is to make the best from the best and Todd Crawford has been feeding blue bonnet feeds to his horses forever. Yeah, forever. I mean, I, we were feeding it back in the day when I was there. Once we moved to Oklahoma, we got on this blue bonnet feeds, and there went his winning ways. Uh, he's actually the one that got me started on using it on my cows because I went over there to ride, and he, you guys were feeding. I don't know if you were there. No, you probably weren't there at that time. But here in Oklahoma, he was feeding it to his cows. They looked fabulous. And I asked him, hey, what are you feeding them things? His working cattle, I mean, they were, they were staggeringly fat. It was, it was really impressive to me. And I went home and uh, got my whole ranch on it. So they're giving, away, uh, they're giving away 60 days of free feed over here, our fellows at Blue Bonnet. And uh, so go check out their website at uh, bluebonnetfeeds.com slash full contact. That way they know that you heard about it from us. Hey, and that's only good for us, isn't it? That's it. That's it. So you want to support our website, support this podcast, like what you've been hearing, go check them out and uh, get signed up for the 60 days of free feed giveaway. That's a good way to support. Go get some free feed. Right. Terms and conditions apply. Check them out at bluebonnetfeeds.com. Make sure you put that slash full contact on the end of it. That way uh, you can support our podcast while you're trying to win your 60 days of free feed. Those master remedy horses were were strong cow horses. Strong on that fence work. They could yep. say, "Hey, you just sit up there. I got this." They could run and they could hit that stop. And, and what was so sleep. phenomenal about smoking master to me is that when you're running down that fence, you can be running so fast, and and, and I would just go watch him all the time. What, what was the kid's name? Adam. 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 You, I could go watch either one of them. Either you or him, either one on him. It didn't matter how fast he was running. He could go to the ground, bend, and be swallowing and turning that cow and on the other side of it and going the other way with n- with no struggle. There was no struggle it was there. Effortless. Mm. effortless and always ahead of the cow. That horse was. You world's greatest himmel. Uh, I mean, four or five well, times, huh? No. I mean, I don't know. I know I showed him in at the Lazy yeah, one of the first two years, mm. and I know I showed Hickory all I see at the Lazy, so I don't know how many times I did do the world's greatest. Mm. But, mm. but anyways, he was he was really a a phenomenal cow horse. That I bought um, maybe the best I've ever rode. Yeah, he's he's one of the best I've seen. You know, and uh, they're talking about buying that horse from Greg. I bought or Scott and uh, Darnell Trubud bought Miss Plain Plain from Greg and John and. Same thing. That one, they bought it and went and cut on it first. Uh, Scott went with John Ward and cut. And then we decided to go with the cow horse. But, you know, everything you got from Greg did the fence work. They all did it. He did it on all of them. And that is the way that mare felt to me. Maybe not. She wasn't as dynamic as the smoke master was down the fence. He was a little more powerful. But the ability to be running so effortlessly and then just swallow the ground and the cow all at the same time was it was such a feeling to feel 
Do you think it was something that, I mean, do you think there was something that Greg did or do you think it was oh, just yeah. the bloodline on the horses? And what do no. you, what do you think that was? Then they both had, so Miss Plane Plane's out of uh, smoke, um, Miss Master Blaster, which is a Master Remedy, but she's by Just Plane Colonel and Smoke and Master was by Master Remedy out of what, Todd, do you remember? I don't Not remember. Really. Some kind of a gun smoke. Gun smoke mirror. But there, when, when I was young and hanging out with Greg and going over there and he let me on some of those horses, they, they did that. Todd's horse was a phenomenal athlete. And, and Miss Plain Plain was also uh, maybe not quite as much as maybe not quite as dynamic as Todd's, but that move that they had on the fence, Greg put it on uh, like just hundreds of them. I would get on two-year-olds that were like that. I'd get on four-year-olds that were like that. I'd get on... Okay, so what was it? I mean, how did he do it? Do you have any idea? He had a superior amount of confidence and bend in those horses at every speed. His training method was that no matter how fast you were going, they accepted your hands and your bend. He didn't force them to do it. He wanted them to relax to do it. And... They all drug an inside hind leg to make a turn at any speed. They did not step their outside hind leg out to make the turn. They, their neck from the front of the saddle pad forward was flexible without moving the feet. He could make them bend their neck from the saddle pad forward. The neck, he would tell me all the time, the neck is way more flexible than the backbone. He would it, make them, or they would just learn to bend with that cow? No, he, he would taught make them, them yeah. to bend their neck in front of the saddle and be comfortable doing it because they could do it because it's a much more flexible part of the body than the back. So you had to let that back be straight and be able to get that neck to bend on the weight of the reins and relax there. They didn't have to pull the reins away from you to go to the stop. And I've, I had some pictures of Miss Plain Plain where she is sliding in the back end and turning in the front end because there's no she doesn't have to reach. She doesn't have to take that inside rein away. She's just leaving her head on the cow because she's comfortable with it. She knows she can bend her neck. All four feet can find the stop and the turn and go. Craig, Craig was, um, he was like a Dale Wilkinson. He was, yeah. I, I had the privilege to know him and... Um, he was some kind of, and, and he loved, he loved what he did. And, and I saw lots of his horses and, and he was a really kind of a motivating factor in like, I want my horses to be like that. And, you know, haven't got there yet, but still working at it. <laughs> but Me he too. was, he, he, he was, he was something, he, he was like way ahead of his time. I mean, he would be making fence runs today that would still whip us. Mm, yeah, it was a, yeah, amazing how uh, fast and relaxed he could be. Mm. Uh, but the bin, uh, the be polite with your hands and get them to find those bins without being forced into it. It doesn't do any good to get that same position if you're holding them there with your legs and your hands. If you can do it with the weight of the reins, that means something because that means the horse knows what you want not you're physically putting him there. <clears throat> yeah, I would say that you couldn't really, I mean, like I couldn't follow 
what he did. He tried to help me some. I couldn't, I couldn't really follow it because it was too f- so far. It, yeah, out there. it was it was a little bit out there, but man, he couldn't make it work. He never ever ever stopped thinking about horses and riding ever. Yeah. I mean, like he would call on Sunday, and I had ridden there Wednesday and say, "Hey, so what I was trying to tell you." <laughs> On that horse. <laughs> he he, he I mean, told me one time, he said, I've been reading this book. It's like the Spanish Riding Academy, how they train those lips on. And, and I think that, you know, when you, you get a hold of those horses, you know, he's just going on and on because he'd been reading this book, you know, and it's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> and yes. That's out there. And he never, he just... um and finding the feel, <clears throat> it never ended with him. He never was there. It was never there. Didn't matter how great those horses were, he's always trying to make himself a little better. And, and you know what, to, to add to that, like I, I was there and he had like two or three barrel horses, you know, that he was doing the same things with. They were kind of terrible. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they were, t- but he loved it. Yes. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make this horse. I'm going to teach this horse out. to do that. You know? And it's like, that's cool. That's yes. really cool. He had, a, if you wanted to, <clears throat> if you want to make him get into it, just tell him that that horse right there <laughs> could not do it. Right. You just tell him that my uncle had a horse that, Let's see, how did that go? He got it from Alan Keller, and it was just something. And it wasn't very good. And I don't know, Jeff blew at her, and it kicked you, and it bit you, and all this <laughs> stuff. And my uncle's like, hey, Jeff says it's not that good. And so Greg gets mad, and he's going to prove it can do it. And this is uh, Remnick's peck time when he's sick. So when you go to Greg's, he would start getting on at the hitching rack <laughs> and he was, he, I was going to say that he, he might get on at the, like but 150 yards. yards down there I'm not talking about two or three four strides I don't mean like they walk off it was a I mean they leave <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's pr- he's going to make this gray mare a horse and he's He's trying, he's trying, and he's riding Reminix, Pep, and her. Like, what in the world? But he says, Russell, take this home and make her stand still so I can get <laughs> for an old man to get on because I can't get on. You know, like <laughs> cancer is kind of wearing him down. He just couldn't do the <laughs> running mount. But he, he was determined that that gray mare was going to work a cow. Right. So, Russell, something you said right there about that he was always trying to be better. I mean, this is probably the best fence horse trainer that has ever walked this planet. And he's always trying to get better. And I feel like there's a correlation there between the guys that you really see last generation to generation, right? And we're sitting here with one of them. And that is never satisfied with what their program is doing. You know, and I know I've been guilty of it. I'm like, man, this all feels pretty good. Let's just stay hooked right here. And I know what I was around Todd and what I've been around him since I've worked for him. He is constantly 
evolving his program. I mean, every, every yep. single year. Like, I don't know. So it, it, if you could speak to that a little, Todd, I mean, like that's a – I feel like that is just a very elusive mindset for people to find because I feel like there's that uh, you have a level of success and then you realize you feel like you've arrived at a spot. But the guys that are really great and what people don't understand is how no matter where they are, they're still striving and reaching for that next thing that's going to take them that next step and keep them keep them on top. Well, first of all, I haven't read any Spanish Academy writing books, <laughs> but I do. Lo- <laughs> I do. Uh, I do love what I do. So I mean, obviously, in 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 being able to do that every day, you you just want to make a better. You want to make a better horse. You know, like hey, this worked last year, and but this didn't work quite as good as what I thought it should have. I'm going to try this this year and, you know, and see how this works. And so it's just a, a process. And, and I think we touched on it earlier about, you know, like had I had those horses back now, knowing what I do know now, you know, how would they be better or would they be worse? And you, and you don't know that because you don't know sometimes how much professional neglect plays into um, a horse being good or bad or or not knowing and and really and truly it it it, the good horses make the good trainers like i said but i think you can somewhat enhance how good or bad you know those those horses are by grinding it out like this time of year you know and and just going through the and and you know i mean because that's what it is it's that way every year and you know that's the somewhat disappointing part is like hey you know and don't you remember what those horses learned last year (laughs) you know that that you should know that this year but they don't but that is also the somewhat enjoyable part about it you know like you talk about hickory holly sea and tangy classy lady and and all those those horses that i that were good horses that i was fortunate enough to be able to ride but you don't think about you you don't remember the that you went through to to make those horses be that And, and i really do truly I know that we all have to go through that. You know, I mean, it's just part of it. You got to, you got to go through it, and and you know, hopefully your timing is right to where things happen right at at the at the right time in October now. And it, and if it doesn't, then you know, hopefully you know there there are successful four and five and bridal horses later on. I think when I went to work for you, I think Tanny's Classy Lady was the first horse that I rode at your place in 2000 wow. in February. And I was a little afraid that I was going to get bucked off. <laughs> it was her three year old year. And this is, I come from the Appaloosa deal, right? And we're riding pleasure horses and stuff. And like, this is a lot of horse, mister. I'm going to tell you what, and here I am 18 years old and like, all right. Yeah. And I go get on this thing on the racetrack out there in Temecula. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> this is a lot of pony right here. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, so I know that I always kind of try and I kind of play that to myself 
this time of year and be like, listen. Hey, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, right. I it mean, can, just because some retard can't get on it right now and it feel good doesn't mean that this isn't a great one. A great one. Like, there can be a lot of horse there. But I remember driving to a horse show somewhere and I think I'd worked myself for about a week to get brave enough to ask you a question while we were sitting in the truck on the way. And I'd been there with you for a while, maybe a couple, two years, maybe. And I says, uh, do you ever feel like you just are starting to figure something out? And because you figured that one thing out, it opened up a whole new world of new things that you had no idea about. And do you remember what you said to me? Do you even remember this at all? No. No. And he says, yeah, son, that happens about 10 times a year. If you don't like it, find a new profession. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And I liken it to, I don't know, this gets out there a little bit, but it's, I liken it to a wilderness of mirrors. All right. And it's like, not so much a wilderness of mirrors as much as a, Wilderness of, it's a hallway of doors. What wilderness has a, mirrors? Oh, I don't know. It's a wilderness of doors, okay? And you're like stuck in a hallway. There. And at first you're in a hallway and it has one door, right? And you yeah. struggle and you struggle. You figure out how to open, open this one door. And when you open that, of more doors. More doors. And every door leads to a longer hallway of more doors, right? That's and like, right. But, I mean, I don't know. This might but be. Hey, but isn't that the fun part? It of is. It? Yes, it totally it is. is. That that's why we do it. That's because it. you know, right. like that's happened to me this week. It's like, wow, oh, today, wow. yesterday, the day before. Wow. And part of you saying that now is so hopeful to a younger guy, but oh. at the other side of it is that it's so discouraging. <laughs> That you mean this is never going to change. It just keeps going. Like there's no end. There's no magic door. That's the fun part about what we do, what we get to do, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, we don't have to do it in one event. We got three, you know? So it's like, we get to do it three, you know, we get to screw it up over here (laughs) and then we get to come back and we get to say, Hey, you know what? I was just fooling. Now this is what I want you to do and here. And, um, but too, by that same token, you know, it's not that far off either. I mean, there's, there's things that are different and there's things that aggravate you about having to do the different events, but there's things that, that again, you know, like we were talking about run straight, stop straight, you know, that's, that's, you know, holds true. That's going to be golden forever, you know? Yep. And so, Hey, here's something that I want to touch on, Chris, you know, what I loved about Greg Ward was that he was humble and always learning. And that's what I love about Todd Crawford too. And so many other people that I get around, they're never to the point where, okay, now you need to listen to me. I've been there. I've done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're always, hey, how am I going to get this up a little? How am I going to get the next thing? How do I make this a little better? And those kind of people are the people that are the most fun to hang out and ride around with for me. That's where the respect is. And Greg even has told me, you put... An idiot and a, and a wise man in a room. When the two people leave, the wise man knows everything the idiot knew, and the idiot learned nothing. He told him, 
<laughs> he told the wise man everything he knew <laughs> and didn't ask a single question. <laughs> and one time I'm training for this uh, cutting horse guy that's you know, kind of big time at the time. I'm just pretty young. And Greg tells me, hey, you need to pay attention when you're over there because that guy's got something figured out. I mean, it's really working. You need to figure out what he's thinking because we need to know it. And I go over there and ride with that guy. He says, God, wish I could help Greg with this cutting a little bit. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> this guy could really stand to know some of the stuff Greg knows. And Greg has this, at the time, to me, this plethora of knowledge. And that guy's really not concerned about any of it. He wants to tell him what he knows. And Greg wants to learn. And I know that that's true because Todd will have me come and watch his fence work every once in a while. And he does. Why? <laughs> I haven't done anything in forever. He's still winning everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that really goes to show when somebody is trying and they're truly enjoying riding the horses and figuring out how to get to another level. That's what, those are the fun people to ride with. To Just me. get the most out of that horse. You yeah. Know, because some horses only have that much, you know, they, yep. they ain't got it. But sometimes you got to show that horse, you know, because you got to make Take a living. That. Take yeah. that right there. And then sometimes them horses will win in a lot of places you didn't think they would. Yep. And if you try to make them more than that, they win nowhere. Yep. I'll tell you something I really took away from my time with you was... Watching you prepare those horses to show and being able to maximize each horse so efficiently. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody be able to do that. Where they could, I mean, no, I mean, whatever. This horse might be a 75 reigning horse, but he'd go out there and get a 75, maybe a 75 and a half out of it. You know, where somebody else is going to go get it ready and, hey, this is a good horse. And I'm going to take my four and it's going to be fine. And who's not going to be happy with a 222? But, and it didn't matter if it was a two and a half horse or a five and a half horse. Okay. But like, can you, yeah, can he you, didn't can get you, the, he didn't get the three out of the five. Right. So, which goes right back to the story where you're talking about him uh, having a runoff against himself. Right. Can he you share? And tries I mean, to, he goes and tries to say, what's the highest score? I get two chances to mark the highest score possible. Right. Instead of. Can you talk anything about your mental aspect there as far as how you do that and how you evaluate how hard you can push? Because I can say before or after, I've never seen anybody be able to maximize a horse like you can. Well, hopefully when you get to the horse show, you have them <laughs> trained and, and you have pushed the limits as much as you dare can to to test them and so then hopefully then when you walk in that pen you can pull the trigger and let it let it fly um and and i say hopefully but i i I guess you just have to you know and and hope like hell it works because you know that because now like in those times when you're showing like faturity prelims you know and it's and derby prelims and and you have got to make the finals to make the next house payment um you you know you that's what you're 
that's what you got to do. I mean, there ain't no other way around it. You got to do it because that's what's what's on the line. So, again, hopefully you have them trained the best you can train them. Um, there's, I, I believe, you know, everybody asks me, are you ready? Are you ready to show? <laughs> Hell no, I ain't ready to show. <laughs> I never been ready to show. <laughs> you know, there's one little hiccup on his left turn that, you know, I don't like and it ain't right. And I wished I'd have spent more time on it. Um, but you know, you got to go in there and, and show and, and you guys, uh, as great a showman as you are you know a lot of times in the you know what you have in the practice pen and what you have in a show pen are two different things and two different times and I don't think you can dwell on you know the the practice because I think we all know that sometimes you practice bad show good you know Mm -hmm. So anyway, I mean, I think when it comes time to show that that's what it is. And you got to take your horse trainer hat off and you got to say, hey, I got to put my horse show hat on and and I'm pulling the trigger and I'm going to let it fly. And it's either going to work or it ain't, you know, this. Yeah. So so Todd, because three million dollar winner. So everybody thinks about all the wins, but with that many wins comes, I don't know, how, <laughs> how many, many losses. Defeats. Yeah, how many defeats. If you can't deal with the defeat, you can't go trust yourself to make the wins. How you rationalize that? I mean, we all have our own deal. Uh, you know, we had, a, we had a deal down there at the Champion of Champions, World's Greatest. The kids mm-hmm. had two motivational speakers come in. And Spud was one. And Dakota. I'm sorry to laugh, but it was Spud Sheehan and Dakota Kirkenschlager. And I thought it was, I found a little humor in the fact that those two wow. guys were talking to our youth. Yeah, but you know what they said? Hey, you can't be afraid to fail. Can't. You can't be afraid to fail. And, you know, I thought, you know what? That's that's what it is. You, you can't be afraid to fail. You got to go, you know, and you watch those guys cut and cow horse and rope and it's like wow you know um but you you can't be afraid to fail you just you gotta you gotta hang it out there and and hope you're prepared for it you know and but then hope for the best but show show but but no like chris is talking uh, attesting to your ability to know what your horse is if you have a 72 horse you're trying to get a 72 not 70 but you're not trying to get a 76 if you know so like if if we're talking about this and some young guys listening like hey just go all out all the time well that's not always true either if you know you can run and plus one and a half to stop run and plus one and a half stop but you got a nice little zero turnaround (laughs) don't try to one and a half it where are you gonna go to the fence yeah, it's the same thing like running circles, you know, you in in our event particularly, you know, especially if you're doing rain work, fence work, you may not be able to run 500 miles an hour around a circle and then slow down because you may not have enough horse left. So you really have to judge your horse and know your horse and 
and know how much you can and and how much you can't and and again hope that your instincts are correct in in pushing it as hard as you can without uh, redlining. Mm. So is there anything you do, and this is where we venture off of the cowboy talk, but is there anything that you do for an exercise in your mentality, getting ready to horse show as far as getting yourself in the right place to go show? Um, You know, I've probably done it so much that it's, I don't even know that I do it now. I mean, I have, I have a set, I have somewhat of a ritual, ritual in terms of preparing, you know, like, okay, again, it's derby time or, or fraternity prelims, whatnot, and, and finals and, and, you know, particularly for the reigning more so than the, the herd work and the fence work, because I think that's where for me all of those details come in i think the hurt the herd work obviously you have to have those details in your mind and you know and but you only have like a set amount of time on the flag or a set amount of time in a practice pen that you can actually implement you know your plan and so and 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 that's much more difficult for me because again sometimes you school bad show good you know and but schooling bad in a herd work or a fence work is a little scarier than you know knocking the fire out of one in the rain um so so anyways that being said when you um when I prepare for the rain and not, yeah, I have a, a bit of a ritual of things that I do that I want to be on. I want to be trotting. I want to be, you know, doing things that, that work for me. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse, Full Contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.